families with your fathers. I know that we have a number of our, uh, so the way it works is all of our younger fathers, their kids come today, and, and all of our older fathers, they go visit their fathers. So we have, have a lot gone today. Um, I, you know, as most, most fathers, I, I always tell my kids, don't give me gifts, don't spend your money, you know, just come spend the day with me or lunch with me or whatever. And, uh, but they always, they always give me great things. So last night, my daughter Trinity, for Father's Day, took me axe throwing. Isn't that awesome? Like that's the, the best daughter in the whole world. And so what I realized was that I am a lethal weapon. I did not know that, so don't mess with me today, okay? Don't mess with me. I got my technique down. But I will, I will say this, though. It's much harder than it looks. You know, if you're watching a movie and a war movie or whatever, and someone just happens to pick up an axe and throw it about 50 feet and hit somebody, that's a, that's a fabrication. They didn't do that, right? Only a couple people in the world that could do that. But we're so glad you're here, and uh, we're excited that you've worshiped with us. And I just want to take some time this morning just encouraging all of our men and, and all of our fathers, and, and just I like, want to take some time just to talk to the fathers today. Uh, but what I try to do every week, if you're, a, if you're a single mother or if you're not yet married, what I try to do every week when I, when I speak a message, even if it's for fathers, I believe there are some principles that everyone in this room will be able to take from this message because it's God's word. So if you're a single mother, if you're a young man and you're not yet married, I still think you can learn a lot from the lesson today. Uh, I'm not going to keep you super long today. I know everyone has plans and, and I appreciate people's time, so we'll get you out in a timely fashion, but, you know, fathers have a tremendous responsibility in the home. And in the Bible, God really, he sets the standard. He sets the, the, the bar for fatherhood uh, at, at a very, very high level. And there's just, there are several things that he expects us fathers to provide for our families, for our kids. And, and I look at it this way, I, I think that we're going to be held accountable for how well we do these things, so I think it's very important that we really look at these and really try to improve these in our lives, but there's basically two things that God, two responsibilities that God really wants fathers to uphold uh, for their children, for their families, and there's natural responsibilities and there's spiritual responsibilities, so let me define those. Natural responsibilities means Providing the basic necessities needed by our families. Food, shelter, clothing, safety, security. In 1 Timothy 5.8 it says this, um, that anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household have den denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So, I, you know, I, I think that uh, that's quite clear, is it not, that that we have a responsibility in. And unfortunately today, we have just an incredible number of men in our country, and I'm sure around the world, that has just chosen not to provide for their families, to be absentee fathers. And, you know, hardly a week goes by that a single mother doesn't come into my office or call me up because they're having a hard time providing for their family because the father figure in that family has abdicated their responsibilities and, and, and is just doing his own thing and living a selfish life. And, uh, man, I, I got to tell you guys, that just makes my blood boil, you know. Um, but 
guys, it's, it's, it's not hard. Our number one, uh, one of our responsibilities, one of two is to provide for, for our families. And if that means working an extra job, if it means laying down some of the luxuries and some of the things that we could have so that our children and our families have it, that's what God calls us to do. He calls us, you know, to lay down our life for, for our families. And so that's the first responsibility, but it doesn't end there. The second responsibility is spiritual, that we have a spiritual responsibility of leading our families in spiritual matter, matters, of setting the tone, the spiritual tone for, for our families, for making sure that God is the center of our family, making sure that the Bible has an important place in our home, making sure that there's prayer in our home, and making sure that we've taught our kids how to pray, and, and basically just setting the spiritual environment for our families. And, you know, I know so many Christian men, they're good men and they love the Lord, but they abdicate that to their wives. Men, step up. Take the lead spiritually. Don't put that on your wife. You show your family that it, this is an important matter and I'm going to step up to the plate and I may not know how to do it, but I'm going to learn. You know what I've learned is that on the job training, you learn a whole lot. You don't know, you, I don't know how to do that. Well, just start doing it and you'll learn. You'll learn what you do wrong. And, and again, being a spiritual leader as a father, it's not about being perfect. We're never going to be about perfect. But it's about being authentic. It's about being real. It's about displaying passion for the Lord. And that, that's so important. And what we find, have you ever wondered why God chose Abraham? Of all the people that were on the world at that time, do you, why did God choose Abraham to bless, to make a mighty nation uh, from, uh, from within him. In Genesis 18, 19, it tells us why. It says, it's God speaking, For I have chosen him, talking about Abraham, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised. And I was reading that and looking, looking at that, and, you know, sometimes because the Bible is translated from you know, from Hebrew or Greek into English, and they do an incredible job. But sometimes when you change languages, there's not really a correct word to, to put in a certain sentence. So this is a better way to read this, this verse. For I have chosen him because he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. And here's the thing. If Abraham had not directed his family, if he had not been the father figure, you know, to, to his son and to his household, the blessings could not have continued to flow through, through his family if they would have turned away from the Lord. Let me read one more scripture. Uh, it's, a, it's a very, very famous scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And uh, let me read it and I'll talk about it for just a minute. He says, this is Moses talking to the children of Israel on the plains of Moab, right before, they're about to go into the promised land. Moses doesn't get to go, and Joshua's going to lead them in. And he, in Deuteronomy, he's recounting the law. He's recounting all of the things that God has done for them to bring them out of Egypt, all of his promises, all of his miracles, but also uh, the standard and some things we should do. And it says, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commandments that I give you. 
and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And it's very interesting if you ever go to Israel or if you see clips of the Jewish nation, you know, they have things that are called phylacteries, and they would wrap verses around their wrists, and they have them on their forehead. They, they wear little boxes on their forehead with scriptures in them. And this is what it's saying, that you carry the word of the Lord, you got it with you everywhere, put it in your home, uh, take it with you. Now, if you know very much about Jewish culture, again, uh, then you understand that this command was directed to the fathers, to the patriarchs, and and uh, that the fathers were directed to be the spiritual leaders of their household. And if the father of a family died, the uncles, the grandfathers, the other men in that tribe, in that clan, in that family, were, spo- were supposed to step up in the place of the man uh, who, who had died. And so, again, if you're a single mother or something like that, you know, sometimes uh, we're forced to do things if, if a, a father has abdicated his responsibility or if he's died uh, prematurely, but uh, this was the role, the spiritual responsibility uh, of, of a father for his family. And so I, I want to talk to you just a few minutes about the spiritual leadership of a father. And there is an incredible passage of the Bible in Genesis uh, that gives a portrait. It gives, it gives a portrait of two men who are fathers. And one is a spiritual father. And the other one is a natural father. One puts a preeminence on spiritual matters, and the other one neglects the spiritual, and he only, look, he only looks at, at the, the, the natural realm. And um, so the, it's a story in Genesis 13. It's a story of Abraham, Abram, and his nephew Lot. So let me, I'm going to read the whole chapter, then we'll talk about it real quickly. Genesis 13, verse 1 through 18, it says this. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot, who was his nephew, went with him. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and silver and gold. Uh, From the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, and uh, to the place between Bethel and Ai where, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. Then Abram called on the name of the Lord, Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together, and quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine. For we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, then I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. And Lot looked around, and he saw with his eyes. He saw the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zor was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. And this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. 
the two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain. And he, he pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly before the Lord. And then the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are to the north and south, to the east and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abraham went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he, where he, he pitched his tents. And there he built an altar to the Lord. And so the, the first thing of, of, of becoming a spiritual father is, is this, is that a spiritual father leads his family through his relationship with God. If you don't have a relationship with God, uh, you're never going to be the spiritual leader that you want to be because the only way we can be spiritual in, in respects and be close to God is to have him in our lives. And what we see here, it's, it's really incredible Notice the difference between Abraham, Abram, and Lot. Abraham was in constant communication with God. Three times in this passage, it tells us that Abraham was talking to God, calling on the Lord for direction, and building an altar to the Lord in an act of worship. Three times in just this passage, if you read the life of Abraham, every, he goes a little bit away and he, make, he builds an altar and he worships. It, worship was was just an ongoing part of his relationship with God. And his thought was this, if I don't worship God, if I don't communicate with God, if I don't have God as a priority in my life, how, how is he going to be the priority in my family? How am I going to display, uh, you know, spiritual leadership if I, if I don't have any, if my spiritual uh, man or woman is dead? And, but look at this, when Lot goes to make a decision, he used his natural abilities. It says, Lot lifted up his eyes. And when he saw the best of the land, that's where he decided to go. He went with what looked to be the naturally the best choice for him. There was no consulting God. And this decision, if you read the, the rest of the story of Lot, it leads to his destruction. His family is torn apart. His family uh, you know, ends in ruins because of this decision he, he made. And here, this is what's very interesting, is that Lot, who was the nephew of, 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 of Abram, he's with Abraham. He sees Abram building altars. He sees Abraham calling on God. He sees Abraham dedicating a part of himself to worship God, but it never transferred to him. It's interesting, I talk to some men and they're in church every week, but it's like when I talk to them, their, their spiritual tone, it's almost like they're dead. It's like the things, the messages that are preached, the worship that's going on, the Bible studies that are going on, it doesn't transfer into their heart. God, men, we're supposed to be spiritual leaders, and you cannot be a spiritual leader. As a matter of fact, you can't be the husband or the father you want to be without God's help in your life. We need help to overcome our selfishness. Come on, man. Is there anyone out here that is selfish? 
Oh, the wives, the wives said there were, but the men looked pretty, pretty satisfied. Right, I mean, we have, we have issues when we get away from God. We're in desperate need of God to help us, to give us strength, to work on our character. And, and this is the difference between, between Abram, <coughs> excuse me, and Lot. So fathers, if we want to lead our families into the spiritual inheritance that God has them, it comes through our relationship with God. And it's very interesting. Many times people come and talk to me whenever they have a big decision to make. And a lot, you know, a lot of times men, when they come to me with their pros and cons list, this is how much I make at this job, this is how much I make at that job. This is the vacation package I have at this job. That's the vacation package I have at that job. Here's the benef- retirement benefits here. Here's the retirement benefits right, right here. And so I asked him a question. I'm like, well, where is God in your pro and cons? Where is he at? Well, my wife was asking about that. And, and so we have, listen, listen, we're talking about directing and leading our families. The decisions we make as men directly impacts the quality and the lineage of our families. If we're going in the wrong direction, that means our kids are headed in the wrong direction as well. And so it is dependent upon us to really do that. Now here's a key thought. This is why it's so important to be connected with God and to pray and really ask Him about decisions. Because many times what looks like the right decision isn't. And many times where God asks us to go, in the beginning it doesn't look like the right path. Okay, and so Lot chose, he chose out of his natural abilities. The second thing is this, a spiritual father never takes the easy path. Now, do you know, do you know why Lot chose the plains of Zor? Because in Israel, water, water was in rare supply in many places. And Lot looks over there and he's like, man, if I go over there, I'm going to have resources and water for all of my herds and all of my household, all my family. Because if I go over here, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to dig wells. So they did. They dug wells. And digging wells <clears throat> was a 50-50 proposition. You may dig three or four wells and not find water. Then you may dig a couple where you found water. <clears throat> but it was, a, it was a labor, it was a manual labor uh, nightmare and they would just be digging these wells and digging these wells. And if you've ever been to Israel, it's very rocky soil. And so you're having to dig down to try to find, to find water. <clears throat> so by choosing the plains of Jordan, which were well watered, it meant that he, he, would have, he wouldn't have to create his own water sources. <clears throat> you know, many times in life we discover later on that the easy path was not the best path. That the, the thing that looked like the clear choice in the natural realm, uh, it didn't really take us where we, where we intended, where we wanted to go. You know, sometimes when God tells you to go on a path, you look over there and you're like, well, is that even a path? I got to pull a machete out, right, and start chopping things just, just to walk. But where that path leads, it leads to blessings. When we follow God, it always gets us to where we need to go. You know, sometimes when we see where we want to go, one path naturally looks easier, it it looks better. But when we take this other way, it actually gets us to where we're going in a more direct, direct way. So the difference, the difference between these two paths, uh, the easy path 
in the hard path, or uh, they lead to two different places. Matthew 7, verse 13 through 14, it says this. It says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. That, if you think about that verse this week, that, that is a compelling verse. That is, what, it, what it says is, the way that's the best, it's not the easiest. And so most people don't even attempt to go that way. They go on the easy, on the easy path, the easy way, because, because you're going faster. You can go faster. It's freer. It's, you know, but uh, it doesn't help you if you're going faster or moving more swiftly if you're not going in the right direction. That just means you're moving in the wrong place at a rapid pace. So let's look at these two. The easy path <clears throat> always leads to destruction. And so let me take you through the, 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 the life and the legacy of Lot. Now, if you keep reading through Genesis, you'll, you'll read all this yourself. But it, it, first of all, it says this, that, <clears throat> that uh, he moved in the plains of the Jordan and that he set his tent right by Sodom, very close to Sodom. Now, Sodom was a place of great wickedness. So here's the thing. Lot didn't go to Sodom. He just took his family right to the gate of Sodom. <clears throat> but then if you read a couple chapters later, you realize that now Lot is in Sodom. And God is going to overthrow Sodom and Gomorrah with, 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 because of the sin. And because of Abraham, you know, Lot should be, was so lucky that he had a good uncle. Because Uncle Abraham saved him multiple times. And, and God said, because of Abraham, I, I'm going to get Lot out for him. And God sends angels to pull Lot and his family out of Sodom. And you know what they say? They don't want to go. The angels come in there to physically take them, and they don't want to leave. They're so ingrained. See, that's what happened. When you move your family towards Sodom, your family's going to end up in Sodom. And they're going to become ingrained in that. And it says that the angels physically took them and, and, and moved them out of the city because they wouldn't go on their own. And, of course, Lot, Lot's wife, the angel told him, do not turn around. And she turned around and looked back at Sodom. Isn't that, isn't that something? God sent angels to deliver them from the wickedness of Sodom, and they didn't want to go. And even when the angels were pulling them away, they just kept desiring Sodom. And she, she became a pillar of salt. Well, it gets worse than that. Lot and his two daughters, they end up living in a cave. And his two daughters have, in, they have a baby, they have both have babies from their father living in a cave. So Lot made a decision, that one decision based on just, just the easy way, it put his family in a very bad situation, and his family went downhill from there. Now, you say, well, Abraham took the, took the hard path, but he didn't choose that. It was chosen for him. But I, but I, want, I want you to think about something. So Abraham, he... Uh, he was the patriarch of the family. Abraham had the right. Lot didn't have the right to choose. Abraham did. But here's Lot's thought. Lot thought, I mean, here's Abraham's thought. Abraham said, listen, I'm very confident. I'm in a covenant with God. It doesn't matter where Lot chooses to go. And it doesn't matter where I go because God will bless me there. 
Come on, church. Never make an excuse that you're not receiving the blessings of God because of a choice someone else made for you. God's big enough to bless you wherever you end up. And, and, and so he, Abraham's like, Lot can choose wherever he wants because God, listen, this, this land is mine anyway. And he's going to bless me wherever I choose to go. Having said that, I believe if Lot would have chose the other way, here's what I'm very confident about Abraham. There, the land was big, it was spacious. Lot didn't have to move right by Sodom. He chose to. Abraham could have gone in a different direction and still stayed away from Sodom. I'm confident that Abraham would not have put his family in the danger of Sodom. But let, let's think about this. If the easy path, many times it leads to destructions, I would suggest to you, just a suggestion, so don't, don't, don't get angry or anything, I would suggest that when we end up in a bad situation, it's because we took the easy path. I mean, I could go down numbers and numbers of things, but you, usually, you know, I've helped many, many, many families, many young couples with finances that were in bad situation. And what I normally find is when our finances are in trouble, it's because we've done things the easy way. We weren't disciplined in how we spend money. We didn't follow a budget. We just did whatever we wanted to do, and then we found out we didn't have enough money. When our relationships are in trouble, when our relationships are not in the condition that they should be, it's normally because we've been doing things the easy way. We've just been neglecting them. Working on relationships is hard work. But neglecting them is easy. When our spiritual lives aren't really where they need to be, many times it's because we've taken the easy way. In the easy way, it's easy because it's convenient. But the difficult thing, doing the right things, making the right choices, the end is, is blessings for us. The difficult path leads to blessings. I want to recount a story. I told this story maybe two or three years ago. I've only told it one time, but I'll tell it again. So um, a number of years ago when, when my kids were in high school, there was this one particular uh, young boy, his name, his name was Jack. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So, so Jack had a very, very tough upbringing. His dad had mental problems, and ended up here on Fifty Nine, uh, jumping out in front of a. Uh, an 18-wheeler on the middle of 59 right here in Sugarland. His mom was a drug addict. And uh, so he moved from house to house, lived with grandparents, lived with relatives. And so he didn't have a place to stay. So my son Ty said, hey, can Jack come live with us? And I said, you know, yeah, we, we did. And so he came and lived with us for a year. And uh, we treated him just like <clears throat> our other kids and different things. But, <clears throat> you know, there's something that I, that I'm, I was looking back and, and treat him just like my kids, talk to him just the same, gave him the same things. But there was something different about Jack. And I don't know if it's because of his upbringing or his harsh upbringing or lack of upbringing, but <clears throat> Jack always wanted to take the easy way. He would always take the easy way. It didn't matter if I sat down with him and said, hey, you know, um, Hey, you know, you have two paths here. This is the right one. It's more difficult. But he would always take the easy path. It didn't matter how much we tried to help him. It just didn't. He always took the easy path. And so, you know, he, 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 
he, he, he flunked, flunked out of uh, high school, and I think he maybe ended up getting his GD, GD. But anyway, and so a couple years later, um, you know, a year and a half may, later maybe, uh, you know, we, we get the call. Sorry, I thought I could tell this up emotionally. Anyway, he, he ended up, he started selling drugs. And for making a couple hundred dollars on drugs, he was shot and killed. And I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you men, you want to take the easy path? You want to do the easy things? It will not take your family where you need to be. And I'm telling you, we got to buck up and we got to make the hard decisions. And we got to lead by example. And we got to have the character and the responsibility to make the tough decisions. <clears throat> so the, the, third, the third thing is this, is that a spiritual father has a vision of the future. And it's vital for men. See, the only way you can make a difficult decision if you know where your family, if you know where your family wants to be. If you know where your family, you know, wants to be, where they need to be, uh, it makes the temporary sacrifices worth it. It makes taking difficult paths more appealing. Genesis 13, it says, let's go back to our text. It says this, that after Lot left, it says that the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are. Look to the north, the south, the east, and the west. Uh, all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring can be counted. So go and walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abraham went to live near the great trees of, of Mamre, at Hebron, and he, he placed his tents there, and he built an altar to the Lord. And so, man, let me give you a mental exercise. We need to mentally vision, mentally walk through the land that God has for us. Uh, you know, God has a future and a plan, and, and you need to mentally picture where you want your kids to be, where you want your family to be, because if you know where the end result is, it's so much easier to make the difficult decisions along the way. It's so easy, uh, it's much easier to, to stay the course. And, you know, when we have a godly vision for our families, it allows us to keep going through the difficult times because we see the end result. Um, and, and so sometimes we get so discouraged because we're, we're right here, but that's where we're going. We're right here, but God is taking us over there. And I think many times we get discouraged, we get frustrated, and we stop short because we're not allowing the vision of God to continue to flow through our minds. When we know where we're going, it's encouraging. When we know the word, see, the, God had already told Abraham, I'm going to give you this land before that time. He told him previously, I'm going to show you land, I'm going to give you land. Abraham knew that the, that the land was his. When you know the land that God is taking you to, when you have a vision of that, 
when you mentally picture that, when you're spending time with God about where he's taking your family, it it'll, will be much easier, much, much easier uh, to get to where you need to be and, and, and to not give up. So let's we'll have the band come up. Let, let's talk about this for recaps for a minute. A spiritual father leads his family through his relationship with God. And, I, you know, um, I, I never speak to make somebody feel bad. But without question, there's some men here that, um, you know, you're, you're, relate, you're not leading your family through your relationship with God. And, and that's really the only way. That's really the only way we can please God. It's only, really, it's the only way that we can please ourselves. You know, sometimes along the path, since Trace and I have been married, raising kids, sometimes I haven't been happy with my leadership. But I know this, the closer I get with God and the more I allow him to work in my life, that's the way God has a way of helping us to compensate for our weaknesses. So, you know, maybe there's some men in here this morning and you say, man, I just got to get my relationship with God right. Then a, a, spirit, a spiritual father never takes the easy path. Sometimes the path is easy, but we're not scared of taking the difficult path. And a spiritual father has a vision of their futures and I just want to close, and I, I just want to, I believe this message applies to everyone, but I want to pray for all of our fathers here this morning. If we could have our, our fathers stand. As a matter of fact, let, let's, just have, let's just have all the men in the auditorium stand because many of them will be fathers one day. Thank you. Ladies, let's just give, our, let's just give these men a hand. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> God, we just come before you, Lord, as, as a father to all these fathers and all these young men. And, Lord, you have, you have set the standard high for fatherhood, but you didn't do it to be tough on us. You did it because you care about the wives we have. You care about the children that we have. And you know that the only way we can really give them what they need is with you in our lives. So God, right now, we ask you just to help us. God, I ask you for all these men that you just spiritually energize them today, God. Lord, we know that you forgive us of our shortcomings, but you want us to grow. You want us to reach our potential. And I pray that every father and every young man in this room, God, that they're going to reach their spiritual potential with you. And the result of that is that they're going to be incredible fathers and incredible husbands. Lord, Help us when we have decisions to make, Lord God. Lord, help us in our decisions, God. Help us to always, like Abraham, to call upon you for help, to call upon you for wisdom. <clears throat> Lord, help us not to be like Lot, who sees things that are naturalized and said, oh yeah, that's the best way we should go. God, I pray that we would just seek you in every decision that we have, because the decisions we make affect our families, Lord God. Lord, I just pray that you give us a vision. Lord, there may be some men in here that they've never had a godly vision of where you want to take their kids, where you want to take their families. And I just pray today in the name of Jesus, Lord. I just pray that you're giving us a vision of the potential in our children, the potential in our families, God. And Lord, help us do the very best we can to nurture that potential. In Jesus' name. So, God, I just pray a blessing over all the fathers today. God, I pray you're blessing them. Lord, I pray you're taking them to new places. God, I pray that if any fathers in here are discouraged, 
God, I just pray that you would encourage them right now. And Lord, even if we haven't lived up to your expectations, your standards, Lord, we can start that today, God. We can make changes today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, church. Have a, have a great, a wonderful afternoon.